Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, good morning again, family, and happy Mother's Day to everyone. So excited to see everyone's faces here in the building and those that are joining us online via the comments. Good to see you there. I want to send a a quick shout out to some of our partners at the University of Kentucky and also all the way down to Mississippi to Jackson State uh, University, where they watch us uh, sometimes live and then sometimes during the week. uh, And they are always sending us comments and things like that. So we're grateful that we can impact you uh, in any way and that Jesus continues to be active in you guys' lives. So uh, excited to be with you guys this morning. I'm glad that you chose this worship experience and to be with us today. I know it's Mother's Day and a lot of people have a lot of things going. So uh, just really excited. I'm thankful to Pastor Phil for allowing me this opportunity to break the bread of life to you guys today. Excited to see my young people here. I know we worship together weekend, so (laughs) they're excited. So we'll jump right in. Okay, Pastor Phil started us off in our Why I Believe series, uh, and he talked about Uh, us knowing why I believe what I believe. It's important that we know why we believe what we believe. Some people think that as long as I say I'm a Christian and I go to church, I'm good. Not so. We ought to know why we believe. We ought to be able to articulate why we believe. Amen. In that we walked through, he walked us through how our beliefs become our thoughts how our thoughts, Marcy, become our words, how our words, Alex, become our actions, and how our actions become our habits, how our habits become our values, and then ultimately, Jude, how our values become our destiny. Mm -hmm. Then he walked us through why I believe in God. In that, we learned that we all must come up with our own, John, why? our own why. What's your why? Right? Riley, we have to understand that while scripture is good for understanding, understanding on its own does not do us everything that we need it to do. Being able to articulate scripture and Bible history is great. It's important, but sometimes it just becomes people pontificating and not really being understanding of what the word is trying to teach us. But ultimately, We all have to determine our own why I believe in God statement. See, some people view God as the universe. And Mike, you know, we we know the word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. There was nothing that was made without him that made it. So how does the creation become the creator? Well, that's what some believe. Others want to just view God simply as someone who... um, stepped away after creation, and now he just watches us like on this big screen, John Bernard, right? What is your why I believe God statement, Riley? Have you settled on one for you? I have a few. I'll just share one or two with you. Good to see you, Dutro. I believe in God because he has shown me over and over again that he's real. That's why I believe in God. I believe in God because I've seen him work in my life over and over again. That's why I believe in God. 
See, your I believe statement doesn't have to be deep. It doesn't have to be something very profound and you go read it in the Hebrew and the Greek and all of that. It doesn't have to be that, Eric. It could just be, this is why I believe in God, right? So if you haven't settled on your I believe statement, I would encourage you to do that just for your own self-connection with, with Christ, right? But today, I want to talk more about the God that we see in the Bible that's described to us in the Bible, Danielle. I want to talk about that God, the God who is a pursuer of us, Denise, a lover, a friend, a healer, a restorer. I want to talk about that God. I'm going to talk about and walk us through why I believe God is always working. That's what we're going to talk about today. See, we all face or will face at some point the challenges of life, right? And to face those challenges and to defeat those challenges, we need strength, we need endurance, and we need to believe that God is always working no matter what we see in front of us. See, sometimes it, what you see can fool you. The Bible even talks about the, the devil being able to disguise himself as an angel of light. Yeah. So what you see can be deceiving. But today, I'm going to use a story that's filled with complaining and impatience and tragedy and injustice. And all of that complaining and impatience and tragedy and injustice was carried out by people who were supposed to be good people. Carried out by people who called themselves followers of God. One might say, Kim, that they were church people. Some might say that. The story hits really close to home for me, and maybe it'll resonate with some of you too as we get into it. And if there was ever a life that we would apply this question today, our thematic text today, why do I believe God is always working? It would certainly apply to the life of one Miss Hagar. Hagar was Ishmael's mother. Now, because Hagar's story is really spread throughout Genesis and, and Hagar's story is very closely and intertwined and connected to that of Abraham and Sarah, uh, I'm going to share this message with you today kind of from a Bible story context so that I can walk you through what's actually transpiring in the text that we're going to read and review today. You'll hear me talking and quoting Abram and Sarai because we haven't gotten to verse, excuse me, chapter 17 yet where God changes their names. So let's jump right in and let me see if I can set this scene up for you. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, have either heard or read this story. Um, Probably many times, right? But I wonder if you ever recognized some of the crazy things that happened after that. Did you ever notice that after God gave the promise and God promised what would happen to the descendants and how many descendants there would be that Abram or Sarai or both of them kind of did some really 
faithless things. You know, some might call them really dumb things. Mm-hmm. If you didn't notice, I, I'll, I'm glad you asked me. I, I'll tell you about them. You guys know I like good questions. So here's the first. I got a couple of case studies for you today. Here's the first uh, stupid thing, number one. Okay, the first stupid thing is entirely Abram's fault. It's all on Abram. He did it. It was all on him. His thinking, he has it in his mind, and here it is, Brett. Here's what he did. See, a famine hits the land in Canaan where Sarai and Abram lived, but they had to move to, they decided to go to Egypt where the Nile River always helped um, them avoid drought, right? But Abram was a little scared. You guys got cute girlfriends, cute wives. Everybody should be raising your hand, guys. Come on, that was a, that was a gimme, right? But, but get this, get this. What happens is Abram's afraid because he knows Sarah is basically a hottie, right? He's like, I think Pharaoh might, you know, kind of have eyes for her if I take her in. And, and, and you know, so he, d- he decides, Steve, that they're just going to lie to Pharaoh. That's what they decided they were going to lie. He says, please, James Brown would say, please, baby, baby, please tell Pharaoh that you're my sister. That's what he said. That's what he, he begged her to do it. So they decide to lie to Pharaoh. So when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, They praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace, and he treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle and male and female donkeys and female, excuse me, male and female servants and camels. See, Pharaoh gave Abram a whole lot of stuff because, you know, these were gifts because Sarai became his his wife. Oh, but how tangled of a web we weave. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me this was your wife? Hold up, period, full stop. How does Pharaoh know that's Abram's wife? That's a whole other lesson we don't have time for today. But you all, when you're reading the text, you always have to understand what's been said and what hasn't been said or what was said that you didn't read. Somebody had to tell it. Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. (laughs) Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So Pharaoh sends Abram and Sarai away with all the stuff that he'd given them to. He didn't want nothing. He just wanted them gone. Right now, a lot's happened since we started down this story. A lot of, a lot of elements and moving pieces there. So, so much that we've learned and then some things yet that we must consider, Steve. So think about this. God set Abram up to have an amazing lineage. His line, his, his bloodline was going to be great. He said, I'm going to give you all these things. Everybody's going to love you. They're going to bless you. And anybody that mess with you, they got to see me. That's what he does. He basically sets it up for him, right? But like humans everywhere can be, (laughs) Abram and Sarai were impatient. 
They don't see God's uh, uh, plan and his promises unfolding, Jeffrey, fast enough for them. They're impatient. So they try to help God help them. If you can't say amen right there, say ouch, because many of us have been guilty of trying to help God help us. God, I'm going to do this. You just bless it. Right? Yeah, a lot of head noddings right there. Yeah, I know, I know. And while this is a tough story in, in context because of what eventually happens to Hagar and to Ishmael, it's important to tell this story because there's a lot that God teaches us about how he's always working. And just for a moment today, I want to speak to the perseverance of women, even when the circumstances are not ideal. Whether caused by you or someone else, I declare that women are the most powerful beings on the planet. And I won't take it back. Uh-huh. But I caution you this, every man, woman, boy, and girl, do all you can to be in God's will. And by all means, do all you can to not get in his way. I would never want to have God move me out of his way. But I always want to be in his will. So that is my desire. But that's absolutely what Abraham, Abram and Sarai decided to do. They, they got in his way, but God extended grace. He extended grace. But for a moment, let's consider this story from Hagar's perspective, if you will. Let's, 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 let's see if we can hear her words for a moment in this passage, in this story. And if, if, if Hagar is speaking, she's probably saying something like this. This strange woman shows up, Sarai. And shortly after she gets here, Lauren, everybody gets sick. We got diseases. Everything is wrong with us. Something's wrong. And it all links to this lady showing up. Then after a little while, Pharaoh gets so mad that he puts her out, but he sends me with her. And while we don't know much about Hagar's family, we can gather these few things and I'll share them with you quickly. She most likely was among the servants that Pharaoh gave to Abram. She's not mentioned until after that encounter with Pharaoh and he gets mad and he sends them away. We know she was a handmaid and not a laborer and that she wasn't married yet. Some Jewish accounts actually say or suggest that Hagar was actually one of Pharaoh's daughters that he gave to Sarah as a wedding gift. But can you imagine for a moment being ripped away from everything that you know with no promise of returning. It didn't matter if Hagar had a mother or siblings or, or loved ones or playmates that would miss her. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if she was afraid that she was going with this strange woman that caused everybody to get sick seemingly and I'm going to have to walk through the desert and live in tents from now on. Maybe no one saw her fear or her grief or her loneliness or felt her sense of betrayal. Or maybe they did and they just didn't care. But I have a newsflash for you. Valerie, I believe God saw. I believe God cared. And I believe that God had a plan the entire time. So 10 years would go by. A lot of things transpired. But still no child, still no fulfilled promise as God had said. So now they're frustrated. But Abram says, sovereign Lord, he still showed respect. 
yeah, Danessa, he still was, he still was humble. He said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my house will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Don't forget that. Put a pin in that because we're going to come back to that, that point. See, God promised offspring. He promised many descendants, but Sarai was still barren. And she's growing impatient with God day by day. The young people would say that Sarah was, Sarai was his rider, his, 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 his girlfriend, his bull. She was holding him down. She was believing what he told her God said. Yeah, yeah. I got a couple of chuckles over here. But see, in my mind, I can kind of see Sarai. She was sort of like Marissa Tomei in the movie, My Cousin Vinny. If you haven't seen this movie, you got to see this movie. Okay? Now, now you see what it says on the screen. Sarai, that's what Sarai is doing to Abraham. She's like, look, man, God ain't done nothing. I did use Ebonics on purpose right then. He said, God hasn't done anything. My biological clock is ticking, man. Now, you got to remember how old they were already. <laughs> they were already old when God made the promise. And now 10 years has passed, and it's still they're getting older. Nothing's, you know. But she's upset with Lou Pesci's character because he hasn't married her yet. So now she's frustrated. And she's becoming impatient. Uh-huh. But this very point, this brings us to Sarai's frustration, her impatience, her, her anger, her being upset, her, you told me God said. That brings us to case, stupid case number two. Now, the second stupid thing is a combination of both Sarai and Abram's actions. See, she's frustrated and it starts to dominate her thinking. Uh-huh. Ultimately, it leads to her making some not-so-wise actions. Her frustration combined, I suppose, with her fear stems from the fact that she's childless. And as she laments this thing, this, the grief and the frustration, she expresses that anger and frustration. And so, so much so that she says this. She said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Same Lord that told them they would. She's now blaming that she, that's why she can't. I'll have you know that this particular thing, this particular instance, uh, this, 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 this predicament back in that culture was really, really bad for women. Mm -hmm. To be barren back then was to be seen as being outside of God's favor or even under his judgment, some people would say. For a woman to be infertile was to, oh man, to, to really push and really create this disfavor this, 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 this from her husband, being you can't give me children. Moreover, back then, you can't give me sons. It was these thoughts, I believe, that would ultimately lead to Sarai's folly. See, without consulting with God, she hatches this foolish plan. Here's what she says to Abram. I pray thee, go in unto my maid 
It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Poor Abram. He just wasn't thinking. But he did what she said. So here comes Hagar. Hagar enters the mix of this whole thing. And then she becomes pregnant. And now what's being set up is that potentially Hagar is going to be the mother of the heir to everything God promised to Abram. And maybe sooner than later, considering Abram was getting older. But we know that's not how the story ended. That's just kind of what was presumed could happen. Uh huh. So it doesn't work out that way. Instead, Sarai starts to complain. Any men in the room or watching online ever had your mom or your wife or your sister or your daughter or your cousin complain profusely about the results of something that they did? No, don't raise your hand. Just look straight ahead and smile or look at the cross. Uh-huh. They'll have no idea. Uh-huh. But see, it's easy to take matters into your own hands and remove God. It's easy to do that, but no one ever likes the consequences or the repercussions, Shauna. Nobody. Right? And Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. And she mad because he did what she said. How many times did not ask you to finish that honeydew list? The honeydew list isn't done. But if you finish it, then it's more on the list. Yeah, everybody, the men can't say nothing right now. They just smiling. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Oh, she was mad now. <laughs> but Abram said to Sarah, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. See, she blamed Abram for everything that was happening, even though it was her plan all along. Can you say amen? Say ouch. But as I prepare to take my seat, yeah, I'm almost done. I want to bring this story full circle back to the sermon's thematic statement of why I believe God is always working. See, we come to the climax where God shows up in an intentional way to bring clarity and calm to a moment of chaos. Mm -hmm. Hagar runs away, then God sends an angel. Okay, let me say that again. Hagar runs away, then God sends an angel. See, even in the midst of your craziness, even when your kids won't act right, you think they crazy, they think you crazy. People on your job don't seem to have all their scruples. Home is, is crazy. Things are, are going wild and you can't really understand everything. God's always watching. The Bible doesn't say Hagar prayed. The Bible says she ran away and God sent an angel to meet her at the spring of water. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Ooh, that's hard for some people. But let me, let me let you in on something. This is for free. It's not even in my notes. You never have to give an account of how you treat um, how people treat you. You have to give an account of how you treat people. The Bible tells us to, to, to be obedient to those who have charge over us or responsible for us. So 
if you be here, here, here's the angel of the Lord sending her back to the craziness. See, some people think if I could just get away from all this craziness, things will be okay, Christina. But no, sometimes you have to be delivered in what you're going through in order for God to show you how great he really is. Sometimes you have to be living in the, the craziness for you to see God in his all power. Return to your mistress and submit to her. Then the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Listen, people, this is the baby that's been ready to come out of wedlock. This is the baby that, 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 that is not the chosen one, but God gives this baby the same promise that he gave Abram. Okay, that'll catch some of y'all by Thursday. That means that no matter the circumstance and no matter how it creates, if God is watching and God has a plan, there's nothing anybody can do that's going to stop it. Here's where I find the proof that supports my point that I believe God is always working. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your afflictions. God is the one who hears. That's what Ishmael is translated to mean. God is the one who hears. There's a recently published author that you may or may not recognize. He wrote this. He said, I am Ishmael, not in the sense of being the firstborn, but from the perspective that I was not wanted and left to whatever the world was going to dish my mother and I. Genesis 17 and 20 speaks to the fact that Abraham had cried to the father on behalf of his son, I cannot say that my biological father ever prayed to God for me or my well-being, but I can say God has always been with me. However, having never been claimed by my biological father my entire life, I often wondered what type of man I would, come, would become, what type of father I would be. Know this, neither your upbringing, society, nor your children should dictate how one is to be a father. Your relationship with God does. It is by his design and his standard that sets the tone for our service as fathers. Being the unclaimed son of a married church deacon, now pastor in my home city, raised by a single mother who struggled sometimes, but did the best she could do with everything she had. I've experienced and overcome and defeated more by the age of 13 than some people have in their entire lives. And it's because of what I've seen and it's because of what I've defeated that I am convinced that God is always working. <laughs> Ultimately, Hagar's story is more than just that of a maid and a son. It's the story of how God's care for those who seemingly have no earthly hope is manifested. Trisha, it's on the heels of, of, of miserable treatment on, and at the hands of, of religious leaders and, and impatient people. Notice I didn't say spiritual leaders because religious and spiritual are not the same. People religiously lie. Mm -hmm. Abuse victims may be amazed to realize that they are not alone. And my prayer for you is that in your most trying times, you hear God whispering your name like that angel whispered Hagar's name. When she felt hopeless and didn't know what was going to happen because he is intimately concerned for you. Our God sees us amidst the messiness of 
life. Whether you are victims of abuse or pregnant teenagers with nowhere to turn, whether you've been disowned or unclaimed by your family altogether, never give up hope. No matter what your situation is, let us never lose hope in the promise that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And most of all, let us remember that our God is the same God who saw Hagar in her distress. Our God is a God who sees. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong and courageous. <laughs> Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So today I say to you, those who are struggling with cancer, God is always working. Those who are frustrated with their job, God is always working. Those of you, uh, those couples that may be out there struggling to learn really how to love and understand one another better, God is always working. To the couple struggling to be pregnant, God is always working. To the mother who's lost a child, to the child who's lost a mother, God is always working. Church, God is always working. And the transforming truth or the big idea, if you will, for today that I want you to hold close to you is that I believe God is always working even when I can't see him. If you believe that, you should make that declaration. Make it personal. Say, I believe God is always working even when I can't see him. Eve, you know what I like to say. Riley's things aren't good yet. It's because God's not done working. So I'm going to pray. So I made it through the second service. Those that don't know that I've lost my mom already, but today would have been her birthday. So it's kind of like a double whammy, right? So I'm like, God, how am I going to stand and declare your truth to people? And my heart is still broken. He said, because you have to. Because can't nobody tell that story like you can tell that story because you are that story. Because you are Ishmael. Because you walk through it and you come on the other side victorious and God, he said, I need you to show people what it looks like to come through. Because David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil through means you're not stuck, people. So whatever you are facing in your life, know that God is always working. And wherever you are, no matter how bad you think it is, know that because you are here, because you can hear me, because you just took that breath, God still has purpose for your life. Father, we honor you today and we bless you because in spite of all things, this is a day that you've made and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. So, Father, we thank you for meeting us here and letting us down into the treasures of your word today. So, Father, let the words that have been spoken prick the hearts of the hearer and make them a doer today. Help us to remember we may be the only Jesus some people may ever see. So help us to reflect you well and to resemble you well. In the name of your son, Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.